This Much We Know is a podcast offering an honest and informative perspective of the realities and motivations of setting up a social enterprise. We will be joined by a number of charity leaders and social entrepreneurs whose trading models work to end homelessness. We will be sharing their stories, tips and of course their face palm moments. How are you doing Murphy? Good Simon, all good on my end. How are things with you? Not too bad. Have you got any Devonshire updates? I haven't got any crazy updates today, but things are a little slower around here, if I'm honest. But it's sunny, so that's really nice. Nice nice Very change to the, to the gloomy weather we've had. How about you? Very good. I've just been outside just now chatting to my neighbour and I think I might have just offered to drive her to her wedding <laughs> <laughs> in my car, Brilliant. which wasn't wasn't quite where I was expecting the conversation to go <laughs> so um I'm now in the market for a couple of white ribbons step up from um, a cup of sugar but but bless her I think she said yes but didn't really want to so she probably looked at my car and went they drive a Sayat I don't want to pitch <laughs> up at my wedding in a Sayat so now I feel like oh, maybe I should go and knock and say actually if you don't want to come in this crap car of mine <laughs> are you quite close but you were you invited to the wedding originally or is this kind of a foot in the door for you uh, yeah, this is a turn up to Yeah, this is self-invitation to somebody else's wedding Love job. <laughs> Please let me be involved. I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep you posted on yeah, that, how we get is. on. So, anyway. another day, another podcast. Uh, yep, exciting for us today. We're joined by Zakia from Invisible Cities. Hello there. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Where are you, where are you joining us from and have you got any anecdotes as bad as mine? No, nothing can be as bad as that. I mean, that's quite um, <laughs> funny. From sunny Edinburgh today in Scotland, so might as well enjoy it while it lasts. Um, I haven't had, you know, any adventures like that. I have a crazy cat staying with me, so but that's just the same all day, all day. So she's been quite mental today as well. Um, she's still really young, so she plays with anything that she thinks might want to play with her again so she's been climbing up and down the walls today which is quite funny like you really think she's possessed but actually it's just her normal <laughs> you know so, normal yeah. normal cat business have you tried the yeah. cucumber tested the cucumber theory yet <laughs> yeah no 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 i think she'll just never recover from that if that's true <laughs> so, it's a shame i can't show you because i've got like white wallpaper everywhere and some of it is scratched really high up now, I always wondered, I was like, what is that? Why is it like damaged? So like at my eye level and it's just her climbing off. the <laughs> So that's what she does. Yeah. Oh, that's the stuff of nightmares. When you when you move out of your place and you leave a note, you need to explain what's happened because they will be terrified. Yeah, they'll <laughs> be like, like, somebody's been tortured in this place. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. where my mind would go. Yeah. It's the cat. It's the cat. Honestly, <laughs> it was the cat. Yeah, <laughs> always the cat. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I do yeah. like how our podcasts are starting off, Murphy. It's gradually sort of, yeah, getting to levels of ridiculousness, talking about cats and dogs and yeah, it's brilliant. Should we talk about social enterprise? Yeah, why not? Um Just so for a change. Here, we we're probably gonna ask you to do the introduction of yourself. Um, you know, who who better than you? <laughs> um mm-hmm. so if you could explain a little bit about you know, who you are, your role in Invisible Cities and a bit about the organisation and, and what you guys do as well. Okay, yeah. Um, so my name is Zakia. I am from France originally. I moved to Scotland 
um, 13 years ago now, 13, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, originally, because I was a teacher, and so my school had an exchange programme with a school here um, in Edinburgh, Scotland, and then quickly realised that teaching wasn't for me. And um, But after many years of trying to find out what to do, I started working with um, organisations that support homeless people. Um, and one of them was the Homeless World Cup Foundation, which is also based here in Edinburgh in Scotland, um, that uses the power of football soccer to support people from various countries around the world um, and once a year organizes a world cup where everybody comes together so for me it was very much the the first time that one I got to find out about homelessness but also see what homelessness looked like all around the world um, and then work really in the in the center of it and after five years at the homeless world cup I decided to set up my own um, adventure, my own and social enterprise called Invisible Cities. And what we do is we train people with an experience of homelessness to become walking tour guides of their own city and offer training based around life skills, so public speaking, confidence building, um, and all the things that um, people need to be a guide and to be entertain, you know, entertainers. But we also give people a voice so they're able to tell the stories that they want to tell and not um, not share as much as they want or share as much as they want. Um, and then we offer those alternative tours to tourists, locals and residents uh, now in four cities in the UK. So two in Scotland, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester, York in England and then Cardiff soon in Wales and Liverpool as well um, very soon. So now I run the organization and we're a team of uh, four, five soon um, between Edinburgh and Manchester. So most of the time I'll I'll be managing the team, but, but also trying to grow and, and right now trying to sell tours. So, you know, not bums on seats, um, but, you know, feet on on walks, I guess. <laughs> and um, and the more the more tours we get, then the better. Fantastic. I love that. Expre that expression is going to stick. Feet on tours, not buns on yeah. seats. Okay. Love it. Yeah. And is it fair? Can we call it an international social enterprise now then? Got Scotland, Wales and England. Does that? Well, does that yeah. It's not I Devon always, yet. I always say it's global because I think if you say it, then, you know, you set your intentions right and then one day it happens. So I always say a global social enterprise, even though we only have those cities in the UK, but we have so much interest from other cities around the world, which is quite interesting because, you know, we've had everything from Las Vegas to Buenos Aires to somewhere in Sweden, India, and it's about managing that. So one day it will truly be international. Um, and at the moment it's, it's pretty UK wide. I love that. It's fantastic. There are many, you know, UK social enterprises in this sector, particularly, that you can foresee that level of expansion or opportunity arise. That might be unfair on, on quite a few social enterprises, but I love that about Invisible Cities. It's got that real, I can see it, can't you? You can see the fit, you know, it could work in any any major city across the world, really. Um, so love that. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, we're really pleased to have you on today, um, you know, because I think it's just such an interesting concept. Um, oh thank you so and I, I think sadly it can be done 
in any city in the world because you'll always have people to train and also excitingly it can be done anywhere in the world because you can visit all those places so um but yeah and the what's really great is you can really adapt things to the local area it doesn't need to be exactly the same in edinburgh than it is in manchester or you know in paris when the time comes to be in paris for example so brilliant and I think what's really exciting about this model is that you know it's employ it's providing employment opportunities and training for people that have barriers to, to employment otherwise right yeah but exactly rather than fitting fitting their experience into um, you know existing roles it's actually you know using their experience to create training models and um giving them that voice to, to share their experience in a unique way i think it's you know just so innovative it's it's really brilliant and if you've got a chance to go on one i highly highly recommend oh thank you <laughs> it's brilliant and then sorry when did when did you found how sort of how far into this journey are you into in terms of time i guess so this year is the fifth year we celebrate our fifth anniversary um of invisible cities so i started in edinburgh in 2016 and for the little anecdote actually when setting up i, I wanted to call it invisible edinburgh and then I was part of an incubator where someone said, actually, my advice would be don't like call it invisible cities. And then maybe 10 years down the line, you know, you'll expand to other cities and you won't be stuck with an Edinburgh name. And two years, you know, it wasn't 10 years down the line. It was two years later. So it was a really good piece of advice. Um, so 2016, we started very small with Edinburgh. And then in 2018, we launched both in Glasgow and in Manchester, more or less at the same time. And then in 2019, then we launched in New York, but since then have kind of developed a social franchise model because the opportunities that we give to people, training, but also you know confidence building and being part of a, a very positive, team and researching whether it's in museums archives you need to be physically there to be able to do it and you need to have a lot of day-to-day -day support and we realized we couldn't do that remotely with so many people like it wasn't replicable like that and so the franchise model enables us to partner with another local organization and then really work with them and they do that more day-to-day um support while we do a lot of the tour based activities so you know putting everything online selling those sometimes um and then all the online travel agents marketing and all of that together so that was 19 and then obviously we also decided to go to cardiff at that point and then that got put on hold because of covid um and then during covid we found a partner in liverpool so it's not all doom and gloom. It's COVID, probably something that we should touch on, um, given you know the work that you guys are doing. It's been a, a difficult time, let's say, for for tourism. However, you guys have been, um, you know, incredibly resilient and flexible. What are the kind of things that you've been doing to to bring in other funding um, during this time of COVID, where you can't operate the tours? Yeah, I think the um, the world of tourism you know has been hit so badly hospitality and as well you know and so um we were really lucky that the week before i kind of had a genius strike it was like let's film as much stuff as we can just now because we don't know what's going to happen 
um, and we had a beautiful you know weather for that week as well so it kind of all aligned perfectly but um so we the first issue we had was making sure that everybody was safe and you know, access to food that was quite important because obviously with no tours people were losing their income so we delivered weekly food shoppings or messages or groceries to people on a weekly basis um in scotland between Edinburgh and glasgow and we actually stopped that in February this year, so for a long time that carried on and that was like a super a, a real lifeline for people. But then, you know, for the priority was to keep people engaged. So like every other organization, I guess we moved a lot of stuff online, like we all learned to use Zoom, but uh, WhatsApp groups and all of that, which made for very hilarious situations because a few of our guys are like over the age of 60, 65. So, you know, making a phone work, let alone a WhatsApp group is quite difficult. So, you know, through windows and like through garden vets, we were like, what does it say? Tell me, you know, <laughs> it was quite, it was quite funny, but that kept the engagement. And then in terms of things we could sell or for us to be able to generate some income, we started producing like activity packs really early on. So each city had like downloadable materials and content for little kids to be able to discover that city in a fun way. So that's like my teacher hat coming back in like mm. and developing those activities, but also loads of video content, story time, you know, um, we put some QR codes throughout the city for people to download some stories, you know, that type of thing. So it, at first it didn't generate that much money, but it kind of kept us in the line, in the light and people could find out about us. And we really focused on our merchandise. So we, you know, alongside the tours, you have tote bags that you can buy or you have postcards. One of our tours includes like poems that one of the guides has written. So he has a book now published with all of his poems. So we really focused on all of that. And that's been a real success, especially in the lead up to Christmas. And now, you know, we're really getting into the virtual tour space. So we can offer pre-recorded content and live tours on Zoom, but also on different streaming platforms. And what's been really, really good is we work closely with people in tourism to do that. So you know people from big companies like intrepid travel or airbnb experiences have been able to support us in developing products for that um and but we're only seeing the fruit of that right now because it took us a while to get there um but actually it's meant that you know we secured a bit of funding but also we were able to kind of keep our sales going amazing i just i'm really enjoying this chat this morning it's great it's just so interesting because I think often we I don't say pigeonhole but in the homeless sector social enterprise space we sort of pigeonhole stuff and it feels like you've got what is it's almost a hybrid model in that it's viable commercially it's got scale and scope to grow sort of beyond the UK which is really interesting and yet I love the fact you're like you've got guides doing poetry and and merchandise selling and that sort of stuff as well so there's yeah, I guess for people listening, they probably are now seeing it as a bit more three you know, a three three dimensional business rather than one, you know, just being tours. So I think even I've just learned that. So um, it's brilliant. In terms of what you've learned and what have been some of the challenges, actually, because so far you've made it all sound so 
so very, and and very easy so have there been some real challenges or moments where you thought I'm not quite sure how we're going to get over this this hump or this challenge yeah I think definitely I think um working with people with complex needs is always hard <clears throat> it's always difficult and I hope you know I'm not stepping but I think people will say the same like I think sometimes at the start, you know, trying to get people on board with an idea that, you know, we're going to do tours and you're going to be a guide. And that's really hard to convince people when they haven't seen what it could look like. So that was hard. It was kind of a hard sell. But sometimes what will happen is things are going really well. And then I just feel like, oh, we're so lean and we're so, you know, doing so great. And then one of the guides or one of the trainees will have a bit of a hard time and you kind of go back into that mode where you're like I can't believe this has set us back by so much or whatever but we're really lucky to have good networks in each city where we have other partners and other charities that can help with support in around mental health or addiction or whatever it is that the guide's life you know is so that's a, an important challenge to me and then the other one is you know around the team and uh, so I started and it was just me and then it was um, a group of volunteers. So it was we were completely volunteer-led until 2018 um, in August of that year. And the way I got a bit of social investment to kind of build up a team and start hiring people, including myself. Um, but we're still running. I think we could have 10 more people and find activities and work for them to do. I think sometimes managing that workload against um, the team we have and the resources we have it's definitely been hard and it's been hard for me personally because I get you know of course I'm really involved but sometimes that line between you know working all the time and not working at all is quite blurry and and I think my own kind of health and mental health has been tested over the years um, and because you know for all of the exciting reasons we work with a lot of American customers who come on the tours who buy the tours or um or the products we have so literally you could work like 24 hours a day because you know the tour that's how tourism works right you can work with everybody around the world all the time um but at the same time you know I've had to learn the hard way to kind of give um time for things to grow and to be able to say right everybody takes a week of holiday you know that's what's happening and to adapt to you know the care and the situations of what's happening in our guides lives as well so if they say I need a break it doesn't matter if we have seven tours lined up you know we have to respect the fact that they're mentioning the fact that they need to slow down and we have to go so it's that balance between how commercial we can be as well and how social and and caring we also are for our team um that has been hard sometimes to manage mm, that's a really interesting point Zakia and thank you for your honesty there I think it's something that we tend not to talk about in the sector is that you know burnout um the because when you're working for a business that that is your business but also has a social impact you've got this kind of personal responsibility to your own ambition and then also this feeling of you know weight on your shoulders of being responsible for the welfare of, of the team and, and the guides particularly if you're working with you know vulnerable groups um I think it's something really important and hopefully you know these kind of conversations and talking about it 
in an open space um, uh-huh. as well, you know it is absolutely right to prioritize that and if you need that time off then, mm-hmm. then you've got to take it it's difficult when doing that and I think yeah probably a lot of people listening in similar shoes I'd imagine yeah I think um, you're right for the sector because you look like and also you work in in situations that can be quite tricky you know like our guides are wonderful and the trainees are wonderful too but they still have a lot a lot of issues like you know and it's still a complex situation to manage whether you know and and we have in the team experiences of trauma of PTSD of addictions of you know identity of domestic abuse all of that and so those are like really hard topics to work with and also to speak about sometimes and so um you know when people work and they give their best but something can trigger you know somebody and then or you know I I always think of our volunteers like we have volunteers who come on board and they support guides to build and develop their tours and sometimes they really ask like is it possible that something will be disclosed with me and you're like yeah it's very possible you know and I think that's maybe something I learned when starting Invisible Cities. I focused on maybe the structure and what the tours should look like and what the team should look like without a lot of the um, processes and things that should be in place from a homelessness organization point of view. So the safeguarding and the boundaries and all of that, that came later because we went through those issues together. And I think it's a way, you know, to protect everybody but it makes it hard sometimes you know and and in in a typical day or like in a typical workload for me it'll be all about tourism and conferences and exciting stuff while at the same time somebody you know care and boundaries and you know a court case or whatever it may be you know so I think and it's always like that it makes it really interesting but I think it can be hard on the person and then there's the added element that it's your organization you know and and I'm responsible not only for the guides and trainees but also for the staff you know for the team and and I want it to to succeed and you want it to grow and get where you want it to be like any other regular business too and so that's an added kind of pressure um but overall it seems to be going okay so that's fine brilliant answer well really good I think you've just summarized the complexity of social enterprise in one response there beautifully because it is really difficult actually to get that balance right between supporting people and the social impact versus like we could just hire some people to keep this business running um you've really captured that difficulty I think most sector organizations face between finding that balance and and remembering what we're here to do socially speaking as well as profit speaking um so I, yeah really interesting it's so good to sort of have such an honest response to some of these sort of questions and discussions so yeah thank you on the sort of business side of things um is there like a, an individual that stands out as somebody that you had a key conversation with that sort of changed the direction or the nature of where you went with the with the social enterprise um or is there somebody sort of pivotal in in the development that you would sort of reference as a, a you know a pivotal moment I suppose I think um for me so it was probably before I started um Invisible Cities when I worked at the Homeless World Cup the CEO at the time who came on board more or less at the same time I came on board um 
it's called Craig Campbell and um and he's been like a mentor throughout my time at the Homeless World Cup and then in my life too because um it's at that time my health was really bad so when I was 27 I got diagnosed with cancer with bowel cancer so I had to take time out and he was like a total um support and I don't think I could have gone any through any of this without him in there and then when I said okay now I'm all better and I'm all clear and I want to start something um he really helped me design what that would look like so I went into full mode of I'll do market research and I'll ask I'll have surveys and I'll ask people and he was like no 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 like I just want to go on a tour like show me what a tour looks like and then you can do your market research and already, you know, and it really helped design and shape um, all the different things. And then he was like an advisor for so many years, definitely until we put a board together. And then I asked him to be on the board and he kindly declined saying in his own word, he wasn't a great board member. So it's probably best that he stays as a friend as opposed to um, a board member, which I really appreciated at the time. So I think he was, you know, more of a strategic support. And then since having more things in place, he has been a great person to kind of go back to every so often with new accounts and, you know, new things that have happened or updates. And the last one, which was like before, I think it was before the first lockdown or in between and and we had a coffee and he said oh, I can't believe how much you've changed it's like you've all grown up and and it's you know it was like even your words are different to so it's quite fun now to have somebody who's gone through that journey with me mm. um but still you know with that strategic kind of mindset of um of saying you know he has he was involved with Big Issue Invest before no, was it Big Issue Invest? Yeah, and and um, worked in the bank sector for a long time, so has this kind of numbers brain as well, and so that's been massively, you know, supportive. And then I also work with um, a coach um, on a monthly basis, and she is um, an extremely important part of, I think she, you know, a reason why we've grown the way we've grown. Um, but also of my own mental and physical health um, throughout this time. So we look at everything from growth and ambitions, like what type of organization do we want to be? Who do we want to work with? Like, you know, and then setting those intentions and, and, and having confidence in ourselves. No, you know, not only in, in what we say, if we have to speak in public, but also in all the actions we take. So we can look at anything from business planning to like strategy to anything like that. Um, and she also works with guides or trainees on an individual basis when they have to set up certain personal goals. Um, but one of the things we learned is that, you know, she can't work with everybody because you need to be at that stage where you, you kind of want to address certain things and work towards them and not everybody's at that stage. So I think those two as, um, as randomly as they came into the picture, have um, have been, you know, de definitely um, change makers for the for the organisation. Mm. Well, yeah. what I'm getting from this, Zakin, I find it really interesting, is that 
the way that invisible cities works with your guides is that you're you know looking for meaningful activities employment and training and this further support and that you know personal welfare and you're also reflecting that and how you're how you're looking at your directorate and your leadership team you know it is about that 360 support and i think it's it's brilliant it's a great narrative behind the organization and and probably why you've been able to grow you know as as entrepreneurs social entrepreneurs mm -hmm. you can't do things alone right you need people around you that have got similar values and different skills and you're really em embodying that and and you can see the the benefits of it in in how well it's gone for you guys um so yeah, i really appreciate your honesty there i think there's some really interesting interesting other, relationships there and the value of that the other bit that i found really interesting was right at the beginning of that last question um was around the product the focus on the product so craig who was sort of working with you at that time or talking stuff through i think he was right he did a very good thing there rather than focus on market and research and have a lovely business plan Mm -hmm. go and get a product and then the rest of it will follow but yeah, actually, and then, yeah yeah without that product at the front and a good product at that the rest of it is almost yeah not not needed unless you've got that that really good seed of an idea or a product at the center um and i think that's something that people probably need to spend time on focus on around the product and how we build it what does it look like you know how much would it cost what do we yeah all of that stuff is so important i think so yeah, really, yeah, fascinating response to that question, actually. It feeds and into, um, Simon, your, Simon has a phrase, which I love, that I've never heard before, called a professional bubble pricker, <laughs> which sounds a little bit like you're ruining a kid's party. However, <laughs> the yeah. premise of it is great. So it's, you know, you need people around you that are you know, building you up, but also those people who are going to challenge these ideas of products. And that sounds exactly like it. So no other... No one's going to ring me up to chat now, are they? I'm not ringing him. Oh, going to steal my thunder. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, I have a friend who runs another social enterprise called um, Strawberry Lemonade Events, my best friend. Oh, so yeah. she got into that um, after, like, after, it's, I think it's been going for two years now. And she comes from the world of corporate events, and she can be absolutely ruthless, right? Especially with those close to her. So every time I have to do a really big presentation, I do it with her, and she will tear me apart. And I remember sometimes be like, this is not as bad as what she said, but that's because, you know, it's giving you all the pointers to what can happen. And I think it's all part of the preparation or part of the learning or part of that. And when it's people that you trust and that you know, I think it's, you know, it's not the same as getting, say you're going in front of a panel for whatever funding or support or whatever it is. Um, I would rather take it from Shan and to hear it was X, Y, Z and, you know, it's not worth anything as opposed to in front of a panel. And I think that's definitely something I would um, say to people, get yourself a Shan, like get, get yourself somebody who will criticize and, you know, things with all the love in the world, but in a bit of a ruthless way, so that you are as prepared as can be for anything. Um, and it is a bit like that. She is a bit of a of a balloon kind of, you know, pricker and, and would destroy a kid's party. No bother at all. Uh, Murphy, it's time for your favourite question. It's one of the premises of this podcast is around celebrating, you know, mistakes and learning through mistakes. And so we've designed this question to kind of one, have a bit of a giggle, and two, see that, you know, it's not so bad to do things wrong and it, everyone everyone does it. 
So the question we'd like to ask you now, Zakia, is what is your favourite facepalm moment? When you've done something and gone, why on earth did I think that was going to be a good idea? Um, you know, let the ground swallow me up. <laughs> mm. I, I'm a bit, I think I, I'm like that with a lot of things on a daily basis. You know, I, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think about that earlier on. Maybe it's a really lucky position to be in that I don't, I can't identify one right away. I mean, in all honesty, I think about setting up invisible cities in those terms quite a lot. Like, why on earth did I go into this when, you know, probably once a week at a minimum, you know, to be like, I should have just worked in a shop and that would have been easier. Um, I love that. This is the I entire venture. This entire part of my working life is a facepalm moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, is it? It's not that. It's not. No, but I no. know what you mean. You, Yeah. So, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, oh. yeah. A recurring sense of facepalm moment, like one, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like that, like, I mean, on a daily basis, and it's a running joke amongst my family and my friends that I never really get what's happening around me. Like, I'm always quite, first of all, I think sometimes I can be really naive. So when people are saying one thing, I'm like, surely not, that's not what they meant, you know. And so I, and again, my, you know, I have friends, people who say, oh my God, I can't believe, like, you're an idiot. Why do you not see this? And you're like, oh, you know, that face bar moment and, and, and be like, oh, and but literally with anything in my daily life. But yeah, there's probably things that we try to do, like, you know, trying to work with some people and you're like, no, it's not a good idea or trying maybe to expand really quickly. I had a whole um, focus on America at the end of 2019 because we were getting a lot of hype and and and. Uh, inquiries from American cities and I was like this is the next step this is what we're going to do and it was a disaster because it's it's a different world so it thankfully didn't cost us anything but my time and kind of my brain power to think about it but um so maybe that would be that and, and it's been a good lesson to kind of also give things their time and things happen you know and sometimes not to to rush into things um but yeah I, I feel like that's not a really great answer so I'll keep thinking about it but that's okay we can take email yeah can email it in email it in. yeah no no like, it can be a, she's added those words it was great <laughs> I feel like we could have you on all day talking about all the stuff that you've done so I think we might have a, re, a guest re revisit here Murphy on our hands yeah um, I guess now that Murphy's asked a facepalm question I think to sort of bring us into land or, or close our time together which has been great i've really enjoyed listening to you um what who are you who's one to watch so we all do this are we have you got another social enterprise that you're keeping an eye on that you yeah you think could go in places or have got a really good idea and you think i wish i'd thought of that um have you got anyone in in mind for that i'm gonna be biased and say strawberry lemonade events so it's you know I think if you've worked in events, so the premise is um, they run events, corporate events, but also um, like a whole training course on event management and hospitality for people with a, a background in homelessness or asylum seekers, refugees, and a lot of it based around Liverpool um, and in Scotland. And I think if you're an event planner, right, or if you've ever worked in events, I think this is the most un- um, recognized job ever if I had to count how many times people say oh you work in events so what you put the menus on the table at weddings that's what you do 
or oh that surely that can't be that hard you know it's fine and it all looks like a party and it all looks really fun um which i think is testament to the work that everybody does but it's also very insulting you know and you're like okay actually there's a lot of skills that come into that and it's using that power or those skills you know to support people because you probably need to manage your time you need to be quick to think um you know and on your feet and you need to do a lot of crisis management and i think it's such a brilliant idea to use that for people who maybe don't have a clear career they want to do or maybe having a bit of a rough time because you can learn a lot from that um experience and it's if you have a look at it as well it's also a really fun um enterprise and really colorful and bubbly which i think sometimes especially when you work with very hard groups to reach can be missed you know i think it's not all doom and gloom and it's you know she really brings the party um to life and i think the other social enterprise i'm very admirative of is hey girls you know mm. um yeah. i really love um celia hudson um who started it and i think she has a real passion around an issue that is again you know very very important and something that is worth you know putting on the table and 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 i love how um creative and out of the box they can be you know with the campaigns or their products or all the different things and i think um you know i've i've met her, i mean i know her well i would say and we've been to certain events where people can't look at a box of tampons like you know middle-aged men can't even look at it so it's like you know trying to ask them for support in a cause that they would rather stay away and how do you challenge that um and i think you know they are a definite trailblazer. like it's amazing all the work they're doing and and how far they will go because um again it's a great product and, and a great mission mm. Celia is yeah. a, um, a mentor of yours, Simon, a, a close she friend. Crops up all over the place. Yeah, she, oh, she's well, everywhere. So, yeah, we worked in Suffolk together a long time ago now. But, yeah, she's a formidable social entrepreneur. Um, I think we need to get her on, Murphy, yeah, actually. Yeah, we absolutely do. Um, I think we should. Uh, but, yeah, she's fabulous, isn't she? And, hey, girls, she's just, yeah, if I were asked, you know, one to watch, she'd be on, you know, hey, yeah. girls, and what they're doing would be on my list. Um, for and sure. She's also, she's also a lovely, lovely human being. Like she's lovely, and yeah. I, you know, I've I've just been like, actually, I just want to meet you for coffee. You know, like it's just so nice. And I just think again, not everybody is like that. Um, and she's awfully busy, but always has the time. You know, yeah. for for people, and and I think that's that's wonderful. Yeah. No, she's really good. Fantastic. Uh, it's been great having you on today. I'm really pleased. And I'm quite serious. Let's get let's get you on again and, and chat some more, actually, because so much we could probably learn from your story and, and what you've shared today. So it's brilliant. Um, yeah. Where can we follow you on Instagram and Twitter and all of that, all of that business? Where can we sort of link up with Invisible Cities? On every of those channels. So Instagram, Facebook, Invisible Cities tours, all in one word. And then on the website, invisible-cities.org, on Twitter, invisible, I think it's INV Cities. Um, and you can also follow our cities individually. So Invisible Manchester, Invisible Glasgow, um, Invisible York, and yeah, on LinkedIn as well. Um, just connect with the team and then, you know, 
come on tours um, now they're fully reopened so it's a great way to discover your city in a different way it's safe it's outside um, and the, the guys can't wait to be meeting more and more people um, and then we're going to relaunch tours in Glasgow soon so we can't wait for that um, yeah Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, we'll be in touch for, for round two. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Thank no you. Bye. See you soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Please subscribe for more episodes or follow us on Twitter at thismuch underscore we know or email us at thismuchweknow at homelesslink.org.uk.